Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally. And it's not because of me. It's because of my truly incredible and fascinating guests. And I feel so fortunate to spend time with people who are at the top of their game and who are passionate about helping you achieve your goals in both your personal and professional lives. My guests show up here holding nothing back. They're here to share the secrets of peak performance with us, and I know that you'll find their insights both inspiring and actionable. So grab a notepad, sit back, relax, and get ready to take your life and your business to the next level. And today our topic is bundle your brilliance, turn your expertise into profitable online courses. That's a big topic, and I'm really anxious to to listen to what she's got to say. So... My guest today is Nancy Geary, and she is a very prominent figure in the field of course creation. And with a remarkable history of collaborating with businesses ranging from solopreneurs to Fortune 100 giants, Nancy brings a wealth of expertise to the conversation. And in this episode, she's going to delve into her unique approach to designing online courses that not only educate, but also captivate. And she shares insights into her process of creating or crafting engaging and interactive learning programs. And that's important, learning programs that deliver tangible outcomes. So whether you're an entrepreneur looking to share your knowledge or a business aiming to tap into the potential of e-learning, Nancy's wisdom is sure to resonate. And I have her book in front of me. Good morning, Nancy. Thank you for joining me on your Partner in Success Radio. And your book, Bundle Your Brilliance. It's great. So let's we'll talk about that too. But good morning. Well, good morning. I'm very happy to be here today. Well, and thank you for sending the book. The book is called, of course, Bundle Your Brilliance, Turn Your Expertise into Profitable Online Courses. And listen, these days, so many people have so much to share. It, it can be about knitting. It can be about taking care of pet. It can be anything, you know, yes. pet care, anything. But many of us, don't know how to really approach designing an online course. So I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm very glad too, because the biggest challenge that people have is they have a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of information to share, but they're not quite sure, well, how do I put it together in a way that's going to create a great learning experience for my clients? That's that's the number one um, challenge that people have. And I like to tell people, well, you want to start out with thinking about who do you serve, number one. And then from there, then you look at, well, what what makes me unique? How am I uniquely qualified to help? I mean, there's a lot of people that have expertise in similar areas. Certainly, there's lots of coaches in the world today, which is wonderful because we all need help and support. But what what sets apart one coach from another? How do they make a connection with their target market that perhaps another coach might not? And what can they do to leverage that? And when you can bring together what your people need with kind of your your sweet spot, if you will, it's very powerful. I know a lot of people, I'm a web developer, and a lot of people say, oh, you know, I, I don't know that I should really get out there on the web because so-and-so and so-and-so is doing the same thing I'm doing. No, they're not. You have your own audience. You have, and you use the word resonate. You have your own way of resonating with people. We all have our own audience. And I think people just get scared and they don't recognize who their audience really is. It is scary to put yourself out there. Uh, Last week, I did my first live event that I went out on through Restream. It terrified me. I talk about this uh, subject all the time. But somehow the idea of being live really pushed me outside of my comfort zone when it was my own live event, as opposed to somebody else inviting me to their event. But, you know, and I just went, okay, but I got somebody to help me 
to produce the show, to be there, to have my back so that the first time I went out live, I, I had the support that I needed to be successful. Now I'm ready to start. Well, I, you know, I can explore doing this on my own, but sometimes it, it takes having that, that outside expert that sees the world from a different point of view to meet you where you are and take you where you need to go. Very much so. And listen, you and I have talked about this, I think, in the virtual green room, but we all, all of us, doesn't matter who we are, suffer from some level of imposter syndrome. <laughs> and you have to get over that. <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, it's funny how, as humans, we can have tons of evidence to the contrary. We can have degrees, we can have happy clients, we can have all these different accomplishments. And yet that little monkey brain will show up every now and then and and just talk you right down. I hate my monkey brain. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I had a pack running this morning. We have chats. Whole, everybody all... was chattering up there like, listen, guys, <laughs> I, I gotta I get do... to work. Same. I do need to stop. Yeah. Y'all sit, take a seat. I'll get back to you later. It's like, don't talk, no talking. (laughs) But we, it happens to all of us. And I love what you just said about, we have all the evidence to the contrary, but we're still scared. So when, when you're developing courses or you're helping people develop courses Outside of being monkey-brained, which we all are, <laughs> what major hurdles do your clients often encounter? I mean, are there two or three that you just know is going to pop up and you might as well get it out of the way right away? Yeah, the first one is always uh, how to structure the content. People get caught up in thinking about all the all the cool things that they can do, all the cool activities and exercises, and they forget to step back and focus on, well, really, what is it that's the essential um, content that you need to convey? What is it that people need to need to know uh, so that they can be successful? And you 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 want to focus there first. Um, people get into like the more creative aspect of it first because that's more fun. And then you know you, you kind of got all these little shiny objects laying around. And well, man, how do I how do I put it all together? Um, it's, you know, it's like your pearl necklace just shattered and now you got to string it, right? How do you, how do you put it all together? That's where people really, um, really are challenged because sometimes it's hard to find, uh, what is the, what is a logical sequence of, um, of events? How does the content need to build to get somebody from, you know, a, a, let's say novice to expertise. So what does it take to get from novice to expert? What are all the steps along the way? It's so important to look at that first, because if you do, that gives you the freedom to then take that content and look at what are the different ways that I can communicate this? How many different modalities can I use? If I take it and I want to do an in-person workshop, that's going to have one set of um, interactive engagement strategies that I'm going to use. If I'm going to do it on Zoom, well, then there's another way of handling the delivery. If I want to make it evergreen, there's yet a third way then of handling the delivery. So that's why it's so important to start with what is it that you want to cover first and then look at the how. And I'm actually, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm in your book. I've read it twice, by the way. It's a well, thank you. <laughs> it's easy to read. And I'm trying to, you know, follow you along, go, I can do that. I can, oh, I can do that too. Because I'm not very good at building courses yet, but I will be. But I'm on page six, actually. And there's, if you don't mind, I'm going to read from it because it says, why virtual? Why now? And it's a brief questionnaire. And it talks about immediately what you're talking about. Number one, what is your purpose? Number two, what motivates or lights you up? Number three, how will building virtual training programs support your overall purpose? Number four, what is your business opportunity? Number five, what are you really good at? That's difficult because we're all good at a lot of things. Number six, what makes you unique? Number seven, what are you already known for? 
that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Yes. For eight, what do you want to be known for? Number nine, what type of work do you want to do? That's important. Number 10, what services do you currently provide? And number 11, what's your most successful program? And it's easy. And I'm reading through this and I had, you know, put sticky notes on it because when I was, and I still am building out mine, I'm like, well, forgot that one, forgot that one, completely blew by that one. So these are important questions. They are. And that's those, that's the first set of questions to ask is why do you even want to get in this game? Right. That's the first really place to start. And it can be quite, uh, it can be quite revealing and it can start then to, you know, give you some focus. And then from there, you know, that last question about the most successful program, what are you, what are you already doing that's working well for you? And that can be a great place to, to start, to look at that and say, well, what do I do to take this now and bring in more, um, learning components. Oftentimes when, whether somebody's in a consulting space or a coaching space, you've got kind of a a similar set of questions that you're going to ask. You've got a process that you're taking people through and much of it is very repetitive in terms of you're doing the same thing from client to client to client. And when that's the first thing to look at and go, if I'm repeating myself a lot, well, what if I take that and I put that into an online component and then ask people as they go along the way, you say, okay, I want you to go through and do, do module one, answer the questions at the end and to be prepared for our next meeting. Then when you get together with them, because the basics have been handled, you can work at a deeper level right away. And there which, are is why, which is why my, you. I'm sorry. They're also helping you at the same time, mm-hmm. yeah. Because we don't know what questions to ask all the time, do we? That's true. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. So there's so there's that part of it, and then the other piece to look at is you brought up questions. Well, what what questions do your clients ask you all the time? Because if you're getting the same questions over and over and over again, that's an indicator that that there's an opportunity then to. Um, create a course based on, you know, frequently asked questions, if you will. But that's the sign of where anything that's repetitive is great to then, you know, bundle, if you will, into an online course. And like, like I said before, it allows you to work deeper. But here's the other part of it. It frees up your time. So you've got the opportunity to serve more clients or have more time to do something else that you might maybe maybe take a vacation, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and that that's really, I think, to me, the most powerful part of putting together online programs is to strengthen your current practice by providing this sort of consistent experience to everyone that you work with. And in so doing, you can... You can take care of more people. You can make more money. You can have more freedom. And that's the way that I like to have people look at it instead of thinking, I'm going to create this online course and I'm going to sell a million of them and I'm going to become a millionaire. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's That can be quite challenging if you have a small list. If you don't have a wide range of people to market to, you're not going to you know hit that million dollar mark with an online program. So why not look at how do you build it into your practice so you can sell more high ticket work? Because I believe it's easier to sell 10 high ticket people than thousands of low ticket people. It is. And the average bear, right? Yeah, (laughs) but that you're absolutely correct. But, and that leads me to my next question that is when it comes to crafting these these courses, online courses, and listen, I'm, a, you know, I mentioned I'm a monkey brain. I'm a squirrel brain. I'm also a techie person mm-hmm. and I'll get lost in the weeds big time because it's like, Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do that. Oh, sit down, take a break, <laughs> calm yourself. But when it comes to crafting online courses, 
I wanted to ask you which content formats have you found to be really particularly effective in driving engagement and learning. And then, of course, I opened up your book again, Chapter 3, Business Models, and there it is. So if you don't mind, let's talk about those four business models. Sure. Sure. It, it, everything, that, you know, the simplest is the, you know, the online on demand in terms of a, a user user experience, if you will. And that's really for the the do-it-yourself crowd. That's uh, something that supplements a, a larger program. And it can also be, you know, a, a mini course that could, could potentially be a lead magnet. So that's sort of the, when you're looking at something that's on demand. The next level up from there is to consider having a membership program. So you've got your on-demand course with worksheets for, for people to fill out and videos to watch, you know, all, you've got everything from that first level, but now when you level it up, you create perhaps a, a, a private group is what you, where you would have people go. And that could be a Facebook group, but not everybody likes to be on Facebook. And I've seen people do some very nice things on a platform called circle. Now I try to stay platform agnostic because there's so many choices out there. And there are more coming every day. But the membership group is nice because you can be providing new content on a regular basis. And then you can choose how much you want to engage. So perhaps you have uh, maybe something like office hours. So every Tuesday, you're going to be on Zoom and people can come in and ask questions. Or you're going to just be engaging by posting videos or um, commenting on what people have put into place just to kind of build the community. And then the next level up from there is to offer a group program. And that's where you would set up a regular cadence of meetings with a group of people, depending, you know, it depends, it could be anywhere from six people to 12 people, depending on how you manage it. And then they can, you know, they can come together, then you have the collective and there's more conversation and but everything is building from, uh, up. So as you kind of move up through the different business models, the key difference is how much of you do they get and in what form? So after we have a, we have a, a group running, well, another way, another uh, way to work with people certainly is one-on-one. And I call this part really high-end, high-touch or high-ticket, high-touch. And this is where you've got one-on-one sessions Perhaps you do a VIP retreat, but they have all of the other elements. So they've got the online course. They're in a membership with you. There's an opportunity for them to work in a group, work one-on-one, and then the VIP uh, retreat experience. That's the way that I look at the different models because it's great to have something that you you can build. Now, sometimes... People may want to start, <clears throat> excuse me, at the low end by just let's create a bunch, let's create, you know, the, the online courses. But if you think about it, if you're already serving people, and I'm thinking of the, you know, the coach consultant crowd, maybe it's look, it, it's to look at, well, with my high end program, what can I do to, uh, to automate some of it to save myself some time? So it's kind of, it's 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 flipping the way I think a lot of people think about it. It really is. And I'm looking at, because let's face it, when we're going to build an online program, we kind of scare ourselves straight out of the shoot because it's like, oh, geez, how much time do I have to devote content creation? Well, chances are you've already got a ton of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's there. Just go find it and dig it. And then how much can you repurpose? I'm reading from your book still. How yes. much new content and how much time do you want to spend on client engagement versus client cre- content creation? Now that's a, I actually put a yellow sticky on that. How much time do you want to spend on client engagement versus content creation? Is mm-hmm. that really a versus? Should it be an you know, either or, or should you do both equally? Well, you need to do both. And the, the challenge that, this is the second challenge that a lot of the the people that I work with have is they're 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 very busy running a business and doing whatever it is that they do for their clients. So when they look at coming uh, starting to create a course, 
instead of looking at it as this is a really great thing, really great program that I can put in place that's going to generate revenue and it's going to do all these things for me, they look at it as another project. So it's to kind of keep the keep the spark there for them to continue to move forward. Okay, explain that. Look at it as another project. They'll look at it as a project, and it maybe it can become a chore. Oh, I right. It's right. this is another project. Like, oh, I to have complete. to do this. Yeah, I, I don't have to do it. So the mindset yeah. the mindset shifts, right. and it can become a little. It can become and it become overwhelming. And which is one of the reasons why I'll, I'll step back and say to someone, you don't have to go online all, right away just because all the cool kids are doing it. Start building out your content. And this is that sort of that what versus how. If you're running a regular group, for example, start doing teaching in the group and record it. And then you've got sort of, then you've got baseline information that you can work from to repurpose. And you can test what you're doing with people before you go to the time and expense of doing video recording. Exactly. And, you know, I belong to several different, you know, groups that I've paid for to be in them. And I paid for them because I knew that the content was going to be stellar. And so far, I'm not disappointed. But they do exactly what you just said. They're teaching. And they're also asking questions. And if they figure out fairly quickly that the group is not, you know, we're kind of not, we're not there yet. They're going to move on to something that really does <laughs> engage. So everybody is learning the course creator and the people who are involved in it. It's having those conversations. I think it's just a really important part of how you're engaging. Exactly. I mean, because you're, you're doing great work for your clients but then you're you're also testing out your content to determine what works and what doesn't work. I, I know. Did one just topic because we're excited. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Just okay. because we're all excited about something doesn't mean anybody else gives a flying flip. So yeah. get out of your own way. <laughs> and sometimes what we think is going to be really easy and eh, they love. <laughs> so you kind of get, you. Get, you got to really, really get um, get more insight. It gives you more insight into your market. So when then you're ready to do things out, do things in a more in an in an online, more evergreen format, you've tested it, you've perfected it, and it's ready to get out into the world in that in that way. Because one challenge, and and I'm sure this has happened to you when you've taken a course, you get stuck. You have no one to ask a question of. Or maybe there's a bot and you can ask the bot the question. And a lot of the times the bots really don't know what the question is. (laughs) They give you another answer. And that can create frustration for people. So your instructions about how to engage with the program have to be really clear. And what you're asking people to do throughout the program have to be really clear. If they're not clear, they'll bail. They do. I do do too. I am very careful these days about what I get involved with because I don't want to spend a lot of time and money beating myself up because I hate the program. It's really not working for me. It was poorly thought out or, you know, I was an idiot for buying it. There's so, and by the time you reach that mindset, you're out of there. And, you know, there are some pretty ugly numbers about people not completing the courses that they spend a lot of money on. It's, it's interesting. I think in a lot of ways, uh, online courses are like business and self-help books. We have a lot of business and self-help books on our shelf, but we don't read them all (laughs) or we start one and we get distracted and we do something else. Well, now that's also happening. I think in the online course world, people buy something with good intention of completing it, but for whatever reason, they, they get distracted. Something else comes up. They, they forget to get back to it. All kinds of, there's a, there's a lot going on out there. Um, So if you add into that, a course that's not well-designed and easy to work through, well, then they're done. It's like 
when you, you pick up a book to read and it's nobody bothered, you know, the person didn't think they needed an editor. Well, you know what they did <laughs> and you yeah, yeah, to yeah. read it and you can't, and you're like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. Right. <laughs> this is just, yeah. I'm one of those people. If you're making too many strange noises or sentences, I'm correcting you in my head. I got to go. I yeah, I got to move on. I have and, Grammarly working in the back of my head. It's really embarrassing. And you know, Denise, it's we have so many choices that if we pick something up and it's not resonating with us, you know, we'll set it aside and we'll move on. We will. So, and I interrupted you a bit ago. You were saying something about one of your courses. So pick that thought back up if you would. My courses. One of my courses. Well, I don't remember where I was going. Oh, so. <laughs> when it comes back. It'll come back. I, yeah, you know, when it weekend. comes back. I think, you know, those Prevagen ads sound better to me every day. <laughs> oh. Yeah, some days you're sharper. Yeah. I just took a, a handful of vitamins before we got on here today because I want to make sense. Today I knew I was going to, my brain is just tired. I think we all go through that. But on demand, you know, that. We we see a lot of those, and I like them, but again, and we just talked about this, if they're not well thought out, if they're not well presented, and honestly, these days, if they're not Homer Simpson simple, you're going to lose me. You do lose people. And here's the other piece in, in all of this is a lot of people took their webinar recordings and just put a little intro, outro video on it and posted it as a course. I know. And it's really, it's it's a recording. And there's nothing wrong with providing people recordings of programs that you've done. But set the expectation. This is a recording of an event that I ran on, you know, September 15th, 2020, whatever, right? Let people know what that is. Uh, and step back and say, maybe that's a place to start is to offer recordings, be clear about it, but then look at it and go, well, what can I do to really make this a true evergreen experience where I have you know, short videos that are to the point, no extra fluff, Ex exercises that are meaningful and are going to move people forward. Uh, put in a quiz, but have the quiz be relevant to the content, not just something that's cute and clever that frankly just wastes my time. Good point. And I do see those and I'm now remembering one that I went, what is this all about? So I just passed. It's like, um, not interested. Yeah, And yeah. I don't think that was the point, but that's, a, you know, that's, I didn't even think about it. I just remember being, mildly curious and then a little bit irritated <laughs> this is very true and that's don't waste my it time and and i think what's happened is it's caused people to kind of go ugh when they look at it an online program because if it's yeah, if it's not it well designed stupid. seriously keep it simple stupid it, let us get simple. in let us learn let us get out you know and when you think about it People talk. People that are speakers, and you create a speech, and you spend a lot of time when you build a speech to say as much as you can in a descriptive way in as few words as possible. And it's a lot harder to get an idea out in a five-minute segment than a a long, you know, a full day. Because if you have a full day, you can wander around a little bit. But when you only have a short period of time to convey your idea to people, you got to make it concise. You got to pack what what you can in there, make it compelling, and hold people's attention. Be, right. It has to be strategic. Which reminds me, what what strategies or techniques? Since we're talking about these you know, these different ways to get online, what strategies or techniques do you think should be employed to infuse interactivity? I think we talked about that a little bit, but captivation into an online course and, and making it more compelling for learners. Yes. What do people 
in a nutshell, really want to learn from you? What do they want? What do they want to get from you? I think it's keep it simple, stupid, but I could be dead wrong. Well, you know, and and the way that I look at it, which is very similar, is there's need to know information and there's nice to know information. Ah. The need to know is what goes in the course. The nice to know is uh, different types of Things you, things you can offer around the course. So it's, you have, uh, you, know, you have an, an ebook that people can read, or you say, here's a series of articles that I wrote, or here's a, here's a, here's another video, you know, they can, you know, the same modality potentially of what is in the course, but think of it like it's the main road versus the, the scenic route or the side road. Uh, you give, you give people the choice if they want to dig a little bit deeper into a topic, they can do that, but you're focusing on that main path through that course of what do you need to know to get to the outcome that I promised. Exactly. And again, I'm back in the book. I've got stickies all over this thing. It got fat. (laughs) It's gotten a little bit thick. I am on page 35 and that's chapter six, conduct a deep dive discovery. And I'll tell you, I, you know, when I opened it and I went, oh, I've got work to do. (laughs) And I had to read this multiple times and underline things because you say here, we've scoped out our project and now we're ready to go into the discovery phase. And probably like a lot of other people, I thought discovery was going to be first, but it's not. And the purpose of this phase is to do a deep dive into your target audience, generate your course topics and inventory all of your content. So what do you tell people when they're trying to do it backwards like I would have done? <laughs> well, you, you you want to be able to, in that discovery, you want to do it in the context of what is the program that you want to offer. And you'll be making, you know, some some tweaks along the way. And to just step back for a moment, a lot of people say, I'll sell it and then I'll build it. And then the the other camp says, I'll build it and then I'll sell it. Well, they're both dangerous for different reasons. If you sell it and then build it, you risk building something of quality because you may not have planned enough time to do it and get it done so that it'll it'll meet meet your standards and end up being a great experience for your clients. If you wait until it's all the way done, then you've risked putting in investing a lot of time a lot of money in a program that's not going to hit the mark. So if you're looking at working on something within your expertise, uh, let's say your expertise, I'm going to just pick LinkedIn. That just popped into my head for whatever reason. And you decide you want to do a program about LinkedIn. Well, you want to take a look at your, your audience. Who are they? Where are they? Are they people that are uh, entrepreneurs are they people that are want to use LinkedIn as a way to um, they're in the corporate setting and they want to get a, a new job or do they want to get visibility? So you, you think about like, who is that target first? Because that informs then just what is it about LinkedIn that you're going to tell them? It's different for somebody that's an entrepreneur than somebody who's working in the, in the corporate space. So you've got to think, so that's one, then you're slicing your content there um, in in a different angle, from a different angle. You know, if you, if you put something out there uh, and you build and you sell it and you're promoting it to entrepreneurs, but it's really has more like of a job seeker feel to it, then you, then you're like, well, what was that all about? (laughs) And then, well, that's not helpful. Nice, nice to you, but I got to go now. That's what I wanted. Right. Then, then when you look at doing the content inventory, well, you're putting your, when you're looking at what do I have to repurpose, you're looking at it in the context of that, that course for that audience. This is the information for my, you know, my reams of files, <laughs> folders and folders on my computer, my hard drive, wherever it is that you know, then what you're looking for uh, that's going to support that effort. 
I'm looking at your target audience description. It's background, demographics, goals, challenges, technology, social media, social media, for instance, you know, what are their device preferences? I think most people Mm -hmm. are on phones these days, social media platforms. You know, that's probably the big three. It, it, start there, I would guess, and their communication preferences. Listen, I'll be very frank with you. When I, you know, go to a form and it says, you know, fill in your your mobile number, I'm out, I'm gone. If it won't let me get past, you know, go all the way through the form without filling that, they're not getting my number, my phone number. It's just not going to happen. To me, that's a barrier. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand not everybody wants to get texts all day long. I don't. Yeah. So, you know, you need to understand how people really do want to be communicated with. And I think that's overlooked a lot. It really is. And if if your crowd, you know, where does your crowd hang out? Uh, there's some people, they don't want to do anything on social media. They, you know, if you tell them, hey, we're going to have a private Facebook group, they'll be like, I'm not going to do that. I don't go on Facebook. Yeah. That's one crowd, right? Uh, other people, you know, they can't, you know, they, they, they can't handle it if they're off it for an hour, right? Like, oh my God, I get back. I got to see what's going on. So, and then you've got everybody in between. And then, you know, the sort of the, the, the demographic of, uh, you know, age is certainly a factor too, you know, depend where, wherever we are in the continuum, we communicate differently. We have different, we have different preferences, Oh, I'm so glad you said this has been a a while back, but some years ago, probably, oh, 10 years ago now, but I still flinch when I think about it. I would get from my, my web development company, I would get resume after resume written in text speak. Mm. You are, and you know, just all these weird little resumes full resumes in that garbage text speak guess where they went fortunately it didn't last very long but it was a fact for a while (laughs) well now people want to like overload everything with emojis yeah and i hate those listen i'll go into chat gpt i mean we all spend some time in there don't take whatever they give you and post it just don't i'm warning y'all right now but and I will, before I start my inquiry, say, please don't put those stupid emojis in there. And they're like, okay, <laughs> they want to put those stupid icons in there. I hate them. You know, and some people lo- love it. And that's why, you know, it's really having an understanding of just who is it that you work with. And how- I could see one or right? two, but a hundred of them. A hundred, I know. It. Well, in, I was I was on a, a Zoom meeting with uh, one of my colleagues who, who's who's blind and has has a screen reader and somebody next to their name had several little stars and so for my friend whenever she posted something it came up sparkle 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 and then the person's name sparkle 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 and she was like you have no idea how annoying that is so there's this a whole other place we need to think about in terms of accessibility I didn't even think about that. You know, what do you need to do so that somebody who's visually impaired can take advantage of what you have to offer? Uh, if somebody's hearing impaired, do you want to, you know, adding in closed captioning as an option? You know, and sometimes it's, it, it, it's, you know, that's becoming something that we're thinking about more and more. I have a, a project that I'm working on now for a corporation and they gave me several pages of um, documentation about their requirements for accessibility. Well, that's interesting. And and me being a web developer, you would think that I would know this. I do at some level. Not all of my clients require that, but it is getting more and more important to, you know, be where they are. Mm -hmm. Well, we're talking more about, you know, having our environment be more inclusive and that just you know where where we are that it you know making it possible for everyone to to engage and things get a little bit muddy too um because so many people do things on tablets or phones you have to and you know this at being a web developer 
it has to be something where it's a good it's a good experience whether I'm looking at it on my laptop, my iPad, or my iPhone. And let me tell you, for the audience, no matter what you're looking at, it's going to look one way on different devices than it yes, does yes. on other devices, and it's also going to depend on what, you know, are you using Firefox, are you using Edge, are you using Chrome? It's all going to look different. So don't get stuck on, oh, it doesn't look right. <laughs> There's not much you can do about it. I'm yeah. going to warn you right now. You're going to have to keep it as clean as you can in terms of adding too much stuff, you know, too many points, too many bullet points, you know, sparkles. Sparkles. <laughs> yeah. And, keep and keep those, it simple, stupid, exactly. really. And those design principles for what makes um, a website easy to use on different devices, those same principles carry over into a course when you're thinking about the, you know, the, the readability of it. And, you know, if you have these long bullets on the phone, that bullet's going to take up the whole screen on the phone. So how's that going to work for you? <laughs> I never look at websites on my phone. I want to crush my phone. <laughs> Is it annoying me? You know, and that's... iPad, in- yes. Phone, yes. No. I've, I rarely... Uh, I search for information if I'm posing a question or what about, what was that we talked about the other day? And uh, what is that? You know, what view me conversation is like a, it's like a memory prompter and somebody says something, you go, yeah. Um, what was that Jimmy Buffett song? <laughs> and you go look up that, you know, whatever it might be. Um, anyway, that's, just, but that's sort of me and how I operate. And it's important that, we don't just look at it because we like it. Everybody else will. Exactly. Exactly. And developing courses. And listen, I am a firm believer that everybody needs to get their expertise out there one way or another or multiple ways, whether in my case, it's meeting with people like you who are expert at what they do and sharing, you know, you with my audience or building websites, or, and I am building courses, developing courses. I'm really excited about that. That's why I was so glad. That's good. (laughs) I've got this book. I've got Bundle Your Brilliance, because honestly, it made me go back and go, cross that part out, cross that part, move that one up, move that one down. And it was really helpful to me because I can build websites all day long. I can build them literally standing over the stove, making a roof or gumbo. I think in (laughs) (laughs) And I've been known, I'm not joking, I've been known to wake myself up because I was dreaming in HTML. One time I was built a pad, I built this square and then I cut it in half and then I started padding it in HTML and it got really strange. It was very lopsided and I woke myself up enough to go, oh, my subconscious was telling me I was about to fall out of the bed and it was trying to pad me from falling out. Oh. Of the bed. <laughs> That's how my brain works. Does everybody else's got? I hope not. <laughs> I, mean, I really do. But once I think in what your book has taught me or reiterated for me is that because we think in one way, we can't even for a moment think that other people are going to think the way we do. We have to find where they are and meet them there. Exactly. Exactly. And it's really kind of taking a step back and paying attention to what your clients are saying. And they do. Your clients have a lot to say. People have a lot to say. Most of it is going to be kind and on point. Some of it's not, but you have to figure out what's important to you and then develop from there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And to be really mindful of whatever delivery method you choose, whether you're going to do something online that's evergreen on zoom, that's live or live in person or hybrid, you have to think about what are the constraints and opportunities for each of those delivery methods so that you design for that method. So you don't get caught in creating something that 
you know, it, it, because it worked great in Zoom doesn't mean it's going to work great in person or great in Evergreen. Because, you know, when you're live, you can't mute people. <laughs> For example, in person, that is. Yeah, I mute all the time, but that's because I'm trying not to talk over you. But I am, I do mute a lot when I'm on this, this podcast and I have to, because you'll hear me go, uh-huh. Oh, really? It's really annoying. I know myself when I do, but I know what you mean. So when, this is what I'd really like to, this is a, listen, y'all, this is a good book. It's an easy book. There's, you know, there's areas where you can write your notes. She asks you questions. You can write in the notes. I mean, it's, it's a very easy, grab the book. I'm telling you. Um, but what I wanted to ask you is, excuse me, hang on. Started to cough on you. Could you share a, a transformative piece of advice or something that can truly revolution revolutionize the way people approach course creation, because you've been doing this for a while. And I also wanted to ask you, how did you get involved doing this? <laughs> Answer either one you want, just pick one. Well, let's start with how I got involved and really what brought me to what I'm doing today is I, the other day I told somebody that I'm, I'm the accidental uh, course creator in that many years ago in my career, my boss asked me to put together a program and I'd never done anything like that before, but I said, sure, why not? You know, and his deal was, Hey, you're a good, you're a good communicator. I know you can do this. So I, you know, I stumbled along and I put it together and I think it, I think it went okay, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And it was hard. It was harder than I thought it was going to be because it was like, I've, you know, I've been to school I've, take, I've been in training classes. I've observed what other people have done. How hard can this be? Well, when I got into building it, it was like, huh, yeah, it was a little bit more challenging. So fast forward a job or two later, I decided that I enjoyed creating training programs. And I went to work for a company that was making courses at that time to be delivered on CDs or laser discs. So now you all know how about how old I am. And we had to work as a team to get the courses produced and out there. So what I learned there was there's a whole methodology to course creation called instructional design. And while I was there, I learned the methodology from my, the people that I worked with. I had a quality assurance manager and a direct manager that looked at everything that I did and said, what do we do to make it better? And they brought in, there are like 40 of us in this cohort uh, from a local, from University of Illinois, I believe, because um, I ended up getting my degree someplace else, but that's another story. Anyway, but we had, uh, we were getting our, we were taking master's level courses in a lunch and learn format. So it was the perfect storm. I'm learning how to do the work. I'm doing the work and I'm getting regular feedback on my work. That created this huge trajectory for me in my career. And I got very grounded in, hey, this is both art and science. And it's for a lot of people, it's a profession. So when you want to get into the game, it's great to be able to learn from someone who's been in the trenches. So everything that I learned in the corporate sector, now I'm taking to a, the, the entrepreneurial market. And when I work with people, I look at everything and I remember those words from many years ago. What do we do to make it better? So that's kind of how I got <laughs> to where I am now. And I guess it's a bit of, you know, paying it forward. And, and you didn't hear me chuckling, but when you said, <laughs> how hard can this be? I lost it. I'm so glad I was muted. <laughs> Because well, who I say that I do it all the time, and I know better. And I'll catch myself saying, "Oh, come on, Denise, you're a you know, nerd in stilettos. You've got a computer science degree. How hard can it be?" I immediately stand up, walk out of my office, go open my refrigerator door, and stick my head in there to clear my brain off because I just made a big boo boo because it's yeah. really hard. And this <laughs> is why you want to, you know, connect with people like Nancy to find out how to do it. Because it's not going to be a oh, piece of cake. Trust me, it's not a piece of cake. 
And and it's really once you kind of get in the groove and you and you learn the you learn the process, you know, it's something that you can apply over and over and over again. But I'm a big believer in be able to get feedback on my work, whatever I'm doing. So when I wrote my book, I had beta readers because I'm coming at it from when I wrote the book, it's very similar to when you're creating the course. You've got some expertise, you've you've written up the text, you've given people um, exercises, activities and things to do. You want them to read it because if you are an expert in something, the tendency is to either say too much or leave something out. And that's where we're having another set of eyes to kind of come in <clears throat> and really help you to, to go, okay, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't get that. And you're thinking, well, I thought that was really simple, but something that we might think is an expert is easy. Oh, everybody knows that they don't. <laughs> so that's where um, having this degree of support is just so important. It is. And I hope I didn't cough on you. I hope I'm muted in time. If that's I okay. Sorry about <laughs> no. that. Hey. It's like all flu season. (laughs) I didn't see the mute button in time, but listen, we all do that. You know, we're, we're all like, Oh, just because it's simple, easy for us does not mean it's going to be easy for other people. And this is something, and maybe you've come across, I'm sure you've come across this as well. People say, well, I can't talk about that. It's just so easy. Not for everybody. Mm -hmm. If you're an expert at it, talk about it just because you know it backwards and forwards, whether it's instinctual or whether you had to, you know, beat it into your brain, you now know it, teach it. Well, it was so I, 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 for several years, I worked with engineers. So I was translating, you know, engineering speak into English. And it was interesting how the way that they would look at a product that they designed was very different than the way the consumer would, would, would look at it. So this was um, in, in, installing um, HVAC equipment. It was with Johnson Control, building control systems. The person who's installing it, they want to know exactly what do I need to do to install this and get it up and running. And by the way, I have to do it within a particular window of time because that's how the, you know they're, they're, everything was set up. This job should take four hours. And that's how you know it was quoted to be built. And so profitability and all of that comes into play. They don't necessarily want to know about every cool feature. <laughs> they want to know. What do I need to do to have this work for this client? What do I need to, how do I need to set it up? So it's, it's, there's not always time for um, enrichment. There isn't. And that's why so many of us will get caught up in something. Oh, heck with it. I'm going to YouTube. Somebody over there boiled it down to its meanest components and we've got, (laughs) we need that's all we're looking for. Just tell me what I need to do. One, two, three. That's it. That's all I need. And that's where, you know, and that's where choice comes in. If somebody needs to, you know, to dig, to dig a little bit deeper, expand on what they have. And again, I go back to this whole idea of what is it that somebody needs to know to be successful? And that's where the, that's what the focus of uh, the training should be. And I know earlier you talked about, you know, things around engagement and engagement tools that you can use varies depending on the delivery method that you're choosing. Give us some examples. So the, the most common across um, a lot of different programs is to bring in video. And one of the, the challenges around when people do video is they forget that just about everybody on the planet today consumes content, whether it's entertainment or news or documentaries on a screen of some size from an iPhone to a giant TV. And also then in the movie theater, forgot about that because I hadn't been to a movie lately. And when you're watching any of those types of programs, the scenes are changing very rapidly. They're changing every couple of seconds. There's something that's moving. Something's changing. It's a close-up shot. It's a wide-angle shot. It's a 
it, it, it's another image, whatever it might be, but it's changing with a certain amount of frequency. And our brains are conditioned to that. When we get into then creating our courses, what do we do? Talking head. Or slides, which or are slides. just, oh, geez, really? And, and, and it's okay to, you know, but you want to be making it, making more transitions between that talking head and those slides. And much of it comes into in what can you do, whether it's pre-production or post-production to make it as interesting as possible. So I'm finishing up looking at video for a course that I building for based on my book and I shot the video and I shot it on a white screen and it's pretty cool but there's moments where it's like I'm on the screen too long there's something needs there's something that we need to add to this to make it more interesting and beyond what I thought so what, what I found fascinating in, in going through this is where I thought I would have enough transitions to make it interesting when I actually looked at it, I went, oh, I need a little bit more. Now, the good news is it's fairly straightforward for my editor to drop in more graphics. But it's important to hold, that's just one way that you hold people's attention. Something is going on in our minds that because it keeps changing, it keeps changing, that's holding our interest. And that's, I encourage people to do more of that. And to not be afraid to show yourself on camera. You don't don't hide behind your slides through the whole thing. Be be welcoming. Be there. Be friendly. Greet them as if you would if you were giving a, a live uh, program. You'd be greeting people. You'd be talking to people. That makes sense. And I wanted to ask you, when you're building out these programs, I am not a video watcher. I don't enjoy them. I very rarely watch TV. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I have to pick up my little Amazon Fire remote thing, I have to look at it and go, hmm, okay, how do you turn this on again? I really am not visually stimulated, so to speak. I listen and I read. So how important is it when you're creating these courses to make sure that people can listen while they're on the run, while they're walking the dog, while they're at the gym. Because not everybody is going to be able to sit and watch something or be interested in sitting and watching something. And that's an excellent point. You know, there's different, um, people have different styles of learning. And so, so what you, you can always do something like you can pull the audio track and have it be a separate file to give people the choice to just listen. You can... Um, also take the written transcript and rewrite it so that it makes sense for somebody to read. So you can offer people different options. And that then can, then again, it comes down to that whole idea that adults like to have choice. We do. I want to read it and I want to hear it. You, If you're going to sit and make me watch anything that's over about two minutes, uh, no. I'm I'm just, it's an automatic no, unless what you are talking about absolutely entrances me. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't happen often. It does happen, but yes. not often. But most of the time I'm like, uh, no, I don't have time for this. Can you give me another way to absorb your content? You know, it's, it's interesting because we, I have a tendency to, I'm very visual and so when I do something, the visuals are very important, but I also am fortunate in that I have a voice that people like to listen to. So if I'm just doing an audio track, people find the audio track uh, just just as, as interesting because that's that's the style that they want to uh, that they want to operate from. Exactly. And I want to listen to people when I'm outside with a dog or yeah. You know, where I may be standing over the stove and I'm listening to something. Yeah, I've got something going on, whether it's not a YouTube, but maybe it's somebody else's podcast or it's part of a course. And I'm listening very intently. Fortunately, I'm a very good cook, so I don't have to pay a lot of attention (laughs) to what's going on on the stove. But that's how I want to learn is, you know, I want to hear inflection. I want to hear excitement. I want to hear who you are. That's how I identify you. Art largely is by your voice. 
which is why doing that target audience analysis is so important so that you, because this is one of the things to, to pick up on with the people that I, you know, your, your prospects and your clients is how do they want to learn? And I think a lot of people would be very surprised that people, you know, they don't really give a darn about your videos or they absolutely love them, Mm -hmm. but you need to figure out how, and how do you figure out how, how do we say, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to develop. This is what I'm going to offer, but how do I find out where to really put my efforts? Where, how are people finding me? How are they listening or learning? And of course, YouTube has become like the the how-to place for people to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I want to figure out how to do something, I go there. But I'm going, you know, when people go to YouTube, they're going with a specific question that they want an answer to. And that's that's different than taking people through, here's, here's a sequence of events that build on each other. Ah. Okay. So tell me in the moment I need to know X right? (laughs) or there's the longer, um, you you know, if we go back to LinkedIn, there could be sort of an end to end kind of working through your LinkedIn profile, but somebody might just be, might go, you know, I just want to improve my about section. That's all I care about. Well, yeah, I hear about that a lot too. And I know the difference, it's a different, people are in a different place if they're thinking about, uh, a course as opposed to a single short, just give me this answer. <laughs> right. I go to YouTube all the time. Something breaks. I'm straight over to YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm still back in the target audience description. And I know we're running out of time, but I think we have about five more minutes. Um, I'm on page 37. And I really found this this section fascinating because you're talking about client interviews and focus groups. I have to say, I hadn't thought about focus groups. Yes. So let's talk about that a little bit because, and you say it's important to ask open-ended questions and then you give a list of some questions, but focus groups never occurred. Focus groups are great because one person says something, it's, yeah, then it generates an idea from another person. So people you know, are, are building on each other. Uh, based on the where the conversation is going. And it's a great use of time because you can touch three to five people in an hour as opposed to a one-on-one conversation. Where would you put a focus group? Is that a Facebook? How do you reach these? How um, do you build them? I would, I, would, um, invite, I would extend an invitation to people and I would do it on Zoom. Ah, there you go. Oh, I just, oh, I had to write something down. Thank you. I just had a break that you gave me. I appreciate that. Yay. I know. Listen, we are out of time, but before I let you go, what specific factor or decision stands out as the most influential when you started your career and started moving yourself forward? I think you touched on it a bit, but is there anything else where you can look back and go, oh, there it is? The, the, Biggest thing early on was the whole idea of begin with the end in mind. When we sit down to write something, oftentimes we want to start introduction, chapter one, chapter two, you know, kind of we, we follow that. But in fact, you want to, you want to have that end game in mind. What, what is it that I want to get people to and write to that? So you work I always backwards. write the, work backwards. I write the yeah. introduction last. I look at what's what's the goal, what are the the phases or steps people need to go through to get to that goal, and then start writing the first you know step one, step two, step three, and then go back and do the introduction at the very end. If you start with the introduction, you kind of lock yourself in to where you started. I always think of uh, Snoopy on the Doghouse. It was a dark and stormy night. The shot rang out. And then all of a sudden he's like, I don't know where to go. <laughs> yeah. I never did. I have really no idea what's next. <laughs> I mean, I, I watch all the Snoopy 
you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving. I watch all of this and I'm always, I get stuck on him sitting on that doghouse. I never have understood that. <laughs> Maybe I'm too logical. And okay. I think you, you mentioned this a little bit, but I wanted you to tell us about any upcoming projects or initiatives that you're working on. So you've got a course that you're building. When will that be available to the public? I am targeting an October release. So it's coming up. Excellent. Well, when it's ready, be sure to call me or send me an email and I'll make sure that the audience knows all about it. So before I let you go, Nancy, thank you so much for, for being with me. It's been a genuine pleasure chatting with you. And I did just get an instant download going, I had to scribble it down. So thank you. But before I let you go, is there anything else you want to share with our audience and where can people connect directly with you? I think the the final point is to really be intentional in what you do. Be clear about who your target audience is, what you can do to help them, and then what is the best uh, modality for you to create your course in so that you can reach them and support them. And if people want to reach me, they can certainly, they can go to my website, which is nancygeary.com. And Geary is G-I-E-R-E. And my email is nancy at nancygeary.com. Thank you. Well, listen, everybody, I really do advise that you grab this book. It's called Bundle Your Brilliance, Turn Your Expertise into Profitable Online Courses. It's easy. It's simple. There's areas where you can write all over it and keep your you know, keep your thoughts intact. They're right there. You just have to open it back up. So grab it, Bundle Your Brilliance by Nancy Gary. And before we wrap up today's episode, if you have enjoyed our our chat and found her insights helpful, please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Excuse me. Your feedback really does help me improve and reach more people on their own success journeys. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with your friends and your colleagues. And thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Nancy, again, thank you so much. It has been a genuine pleasure. Oh, you're very welcome. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 